0: How's it going, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode three of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. Uh, Today, we've got Jonathan Wood, a.k.a. John Hollins, joining us. He's a fantasy author that's written a couple of series. Uh, His newest uh, series is actually a trilogy called The Dragon Lords, uh, which was released by Orbit over the past few years. Um, But uh, go ahead and introduce him. Uh, Without further ado, everybody, Jonathan Wood.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. So uh, what have you been up to tonight?
1: Tonight so far, um, mostly uh, just putting the kids to bed and, um, and trying to get my laptop to work for, to, to run Skype. It's been a very exciting adventure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can hear you pretty well, though. I know uh, when, we, when we first got on, you were having some, uh, some mic issues. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, no, the microphone is... Um, it is an artifact from the past and uh, my, my dark past playing karaoke revolution. It is pretty much the only microphone in the house and it looks real silly if you were here right now. Same.
0: So, no, no uh, I can't remember. Is, is karaoke revolution, does that include dancing as well or is it just, is it just? No, the, the Wood family was not big on dance,
1: dance revolution. Um, I am an ungainly man. Um, <laughs> so, so, but, 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 um, but the karaoke revolution was very popular because it didn't require too much talent. So, okay. Uh, so. okay.
0: Cause I, I can just imagine somebody on a, on a DDR set trying to sing and dance, you know, with all the it's, arrows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it would have, um, no, yeah. Me dancing is, is generally discouraged. So,
0: uh, <laughs> so. Well, cool. Well, uh, if you don't mind, I uh, just want to know a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of where you, where you came from, you know, where you got your start uh, what you did prior to writing so forth so you can give me the sure, whole yeah, rundown yeah. from when you were born or you can start when you were 10 <laughs> whatever you choose
1: so dinosaurs roamed the earth. Now, um, <laughs> um, so yeah no so I as originally from England um, I have been in the states now um, 19 years I um, so yeah I moved over when I was um, I moved I was 21 and um, I had been as a teenager, like, I, I think I'd always wanted to write. I had, um, I think I've been trying to write since I was about four. So, um, and as a teenager, like my best friend growing up and I, like, we really wanted to, we were going to be the next big thing in sitcom writing. We, that was our, that was our conviction. Um, i actually, it's funny looking back at it now, like we blew a really big chance in like a huge way, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, we'd we'd had some, like, you know, that was sort of where I was at when, and then I ended up moving over to the States and my friends in England, I'm over here and we're trying to write back and forth, but it's very difficult. Like, especially this being 19 years ago, the internet was not maybe what it is today, which added levels of complications. So I still wanted to write. And at the time, my wife and I were very into Harry Potter, as was, I believe it's a a small book. You may have heard of it. Um, But yeah, we were really into that. And my, my mother-in-law actually especially and my wife was sort of on at me that I should try and write a kid's book um so I think yeah I had that was my first no one will ever read that book by the way It is it is it's one of two horrific trunk novels which which are in my possession um but I tried to write that and I sort of, and that was sort of the start of it and then yeah then the second trunk novel which is actually Worse than the first one, which I I, is, is an achievement I'm sort of proud of to a certain extent. Um, it is a it's genuinely terrible. Um, but sort of, I think that was the book where I sort of really realized that I did not know how to write a novel, and that's when I started doing. I was sort of like learning a bit more about the scene, and I was like, Oh, maybe you should be writing short stories. And I started writing short stories, and I had a little bit of success there. And that's, I think, when I started to sort of like make some inroads and I got to know some people and I, um, I, yeah, I don't think anyone's read any of my short fiction at this point in a long time. It was been a long time since I had any published, but, um, but yeah, I got to know some people and then, um, yeah. So actually it was through that, that I got to know, um, uh, Jeff and Ann Vandermeer cause I was, I was really into the new weird thing as it was happening. Um, uh, Pedido street station is probably still my favorite book of all time. Um, but yeah, they. Um, I was. I was sort of very interested, and Jeff was very much sort of like. I mean, he, he's not half the he, figure he is today. He was still like a big sort of mover and shaker in that scene. And I thought, I and they would. He and Anne were editing a pirate anthology, and I was like, I'm going to write a story specifically targeted at them, and I'm going to like it's. And so I wrote this very weird, very odd pirate story, and sent to them, and they. Like, yeah, actually, there's something very nice. Response being like, we really like this. It's actually a very straight, regular, normal pirate anthology. And this does not a good at all. Like a <laughs> um, but I, I got to know to do that, and actually, Anne eventually published it in her first issue of Weird Tales, which is really nice. But, um, and they were going to be I'm, I'm I'm out on Long Island, and they were going to be out at a convention here, and so I, I ended up like basically chauffeuring around just for. Really one afternoon and on the basis of that um, they offered to read whatever I was r- writing at the time, mm-hmm. which was my third novel also a trunk novel not as terrible but still not great but I was that was what I was working on at the time and they're like well we'll read it if like you, you Jeff was doing a critique service and they're like we'll do it for free which is very nice of them because um, they are the most generous people in the scene I think um, so uh, they read it um and really liked it she passed along to jeff's agent at the time and that's how i got my agent um so um so yeah so they they they, they really helped like kickstart my whole career which is why i basically just wanted to shout and give a shout out at the beginning here <laughs> um and then yeah good so this was the third novel uh, agent who despite his best efforts not his fault we could not sell that um but then he was like and his advice to me was you kind of need to work on plotting and pacing. Um, as you can tell from this incredibly rambling answer that I'm in the middle of. but, um, <laughs> but he was, so, he, so I went away and I, 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 really just read like fantasy and sci-fi at that point. And, um, and I was like, what, what should I read to like get a better sense of, of pacing? And I just picked up some trashy airport novels. Um, like, like there's so sort of action thriller sort of novels. Um, and um uh, so, so I, uh, I don't know if you know uh, James Rollins as a um, yeah, a, yeah. So like I picked up one, his book Sandstorm, and like I l- loved it to pieces. And that, but that I feel like those books sort of like taught me a lot about pacing and sort of, and so, and I was doing a flash fiction thing at the time, and I'd had this sort of like. The sort of like noirish urban fantasy character that I visited a few times for, for for that. I had to do a short story about once every three weeks. So it was, uh, it was always racking my brains for ideas. So it, I visited this one character a few times. Um, my friend, Paul Jessup, said to me, um, it was some conversation we we're having, and he was, like, he was like, basically, urban fantasy is just sword and sorcery in a modern setting. And all these things sort of like coalesced in my brain And that's where No Hero, which is my first book that I actually managed to get published, um, came from. It was sort of like this mashup of like this urban fantasy noir sort of idea I had. This idea of trying to do a sort of mashing urban fantasy and sword and sorcery and sort of just boiler action thrillers. It all came together and I just threw every idea I had at this novel. And I sent it off to my agent and he said this is really cool. I love everything except the main character. And I was like, but it's written in the first person. Uh That's kind of like the whole thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, you just need to fix that. So I blew through, I blew through that novel. I wrote it in six months, which I've never done anything like that. And then I rewrote it for, um, for three months. And I totally eviscerated sort of the original draft of Arthur Wallace, who was the main character of that book. And I, he became a much, jokier, friendlier sort of face. And that was, yeah, um, and that was the first book that came out. So that in answer to your question is sort of where it all came from.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so was uh was he like a hard nose, like you you nobody's ever gonna like this guy type of character before you dream writers. He wasn't
1: that bad. He was it was definitely it edged too much in that direction. I mean the first, the original first chapter was it was all bad. Like it was it was really it was like I a lot about his divorce and stuff which in the final version he's never been married And um, but yeah no he was definitely like um, it was definitely a bit more like that classic noir I love noir so um, and I love like that pulpy noir especially so it, was, it definitely had I was trying to do a lot of pulp stuff with that not okay. that book so um, it definitely took a lot probably too much inspiration from that and actually it's, it's funny like my, my intention I when I write I think there's a sort of there's almost a performative aspect to like finding a character's voice and sort of like I think I'm, I, I I grew up role playing and that's and I think it comes from that that sort of like taking on of a role uh, which I really enjoy um, and so that was sort of something I did with with the original voice and then the the, the voice which is in the book I think is the closest I've come to ever putting like my own voice into a book. Like he, he's, he is not me. I, I want to, it's not, it's not an attempt to do a Mary Sue character, but like, he definitely sounds like me and makes jokes like me and has some self confidence issues. like me. So, <laughs> so yeah. So.
0: so, so he uses humor in all sorts of situations, no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Yeah. Just like awkward
1: defense mechanism humor. So, <laughs> um,
0: but to say yeah, because so, I, I saw that uh, the Publishers Weekly says it's a funny, dark, rip roaring adventure with a lot of heart. So I uh, I can kind of get a feel of it right there that you know it's going to be dark, but it's also going to have a lot of humor, just constantly bombarding you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the other big influence on that book was probably uh, Mike Mignola's BPRD series, uh, like, which I'm a huge fan of. Like the the first book is the most catholic of all of them, I think. And so sort of like, so yeah, there's definitely like, I was definitely bringing in some horror because I think at the time as well, urban fantasy and sort of like definitely was more of a horror oriented genre than it necessarily like has ended up being, but like, I definitely yeah. wanted to sort of like pull on some of those elements as well. Um, I had done a, I did a lot more horror earlier in my like short story career than I've ever really done in my, um, in my, 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 novels. So
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause uh, I think I was looking at just looking at the cover the other day. Cause I ended up, uh, ended up grabbing a copy and, and you're, you know, the whole uh, Mignola influence, you know, just seeing the tentacle on the cover kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. got yeah. me and I'll, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of a, like a Lovecraftian vibe, um, which I mean, you know, every time anybody sees a tentacle, they think Cthulhu. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I yeah, know it's, um, well, what was fine with that book was I had no idea at that point when I wrote that whole novel that Charles Stross's laundry series exists, mm. which is incredibly similar in terms I'd like, I think with a Charles Stross, I would say is a far better writer than I am. Like the hands down, like, I don't think that's a competition I want to get into. So there's that, but, um, but then like, we're also trying to do very different things. He's doing a very sort of classic spy thing. I'm doing action thriller stuff. But apart from that, like, yeah, government agencies dealing with Lovecraftian threats. So I didn't realize quite that it was a bit, honestly, I had never intended for no hero to be published. It was, it was really just a practice novel for me to try and get my voice down and like the, the, the pacing stuff down. I was really shocked when my agent was like, "Yeah, let's go out with this," and I'm like, "Well, I've written a book. Like, like yeah, let's do it." So, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I was sort of like accidental urban fantasy author, but um, it's it's very hard to complain about that. So, um, yeah, so
0: yeah, I gotcha. Um, yeah, and and you were talking about uh, Vandermeer. I was I was kind of wondering how you guys got together because I always see you know you guys commenting each other's uh, <laughs> statuses and stuff, and then obviously I saw today about his uh, his deal for his born series oh yeah
1: No, that's amazing
0: um i mean he's he's doing big things and hey that, yeah, that's a yeah. great that's a great contact to have uh, no, especially I mean, like, especially with you know his wife being an editor and everything so
1: yeah i mean she's i mean the, the the pair of them are just very generous figures within sort of like fancy and publishing so i'm i i'm trying i want to see like I, I, we've known each other, I think for, I was trying to think uh, through the other day. Um, I, I mean, we must've known each other for like 13 years or something at this point. It's been a while, but, um, but he was always like a big, great. and I just, I think all his success has been just tremendously deserved because of like, every, I mean, he, no man has sort of like paid it forward as, as much, I I think as, as, as he, and, and Anna's the same way. Like they, they're, they're great. And yeah, they've, they've been, um, they've been very helpful in terms of advice and stuff like that, that they're, they're, they're really good people. I think the only thing of mine, I think it was just that one short story that Anna has published of mine, but, um,
0: but yeah, I, I gotcha. Yeah. Cause I know, uh, you know, I know she edits a lot of like the big tales or fantasy yeah, um, yeah, yeah. sort of short story novels. Cause I'm pretty sure she just edited one that came out this year. It was like the big book of fantasy. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I mean, great. I see their names everywhere when it comes to fantasy yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. So,
1: it's amazing the like, and the size of those anthologies are insane. They're
0: like, I know like, well, it's it's a brick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because all, all of a sudden one day I saw UPS was bringing a bringing a a package that was like ten pounds, and I go, what in the world can this be? And then I pull <laughs> this massive, you know, cinder block of a novel, and I go, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask if uh, if if you and uh, and the Vaynerverse had a had a watch party for Annihilation when it hit. <laughs> uh, no,
1: no, I. Uh... I uh, but I I've seen it. It's a it's, a, it's a solid movie. It's a it's a good watch.
0: Yeah, it 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 was was not something I was expecting. I I didn't have yeah, yeah. Uh, a chance to read the Southern Reach trilogy, though I've heard amazing things about it. But uh, you know, so I just went in knowing zero about it and mm-hmm. was blown away. Yeah, so, yeah. Um. Well, cool. Uh. So so yeah. So your Arthur Wallace tetralogy was uh was published through Nightshade Books. Um, so
1: the first two were published through okay. Nightshade, okay. and then I don't know if how much you know about the fun. I, I there was the little ancient publishing history, but the Nightshade sort of went through a rough patch shortly after that, where they 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 basically folded. Um, I got out just before that, which was really good. But the Titan Books picked up the series, oh, okay, uh, British publisher. So they did yeah. they, they they republished books one and two, and then they did uh, books three and four.
0: I gotcha. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Cause every, yeah. every time I look at no hero, this nightshade just pops up auto. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: that's
0: good. No Titan Titans pretty good. And I know uh, they're doing a, like a lot of Tim love and stuff nowadays. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think Kat- they, they do a lot of uh, UK releases of some of the, I guess, Canadian authors. And then like Rio yours, I think gets yeah. a few through Titan. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Kath Treckman over there was the, so she's uh, she's good people.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Um, and so uh, you, you finish that tetralogy, and then do you automatically yeah. start writing your dragon Lord series or do you kind of do a few more short stories in between? I
1: think, I think I rolled straight into it. Um, I'm trying to think I may have to written one. I think I wrote one short story for a kaiju anthology in between, but I might've written that at the same time I was writing book four of the no, I, I mean, I love those characters and I love that series, but, by the end of book four, I'd had those guys in my head for a very long time. So I was sort of excited for a, a break. So occasionally people ask me if there's ever going to be a book five. Um, it's unlikely, honestly, just, I think, I think I've moved on. I th- I'm not sure. I think it would be a very different series at this point, just because of who I am and how my writing has evolved. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I had, I grew up reading epic fantasy. Like I think the, the book, which like, like started all for me probably really was the Hobbit back, which I think my mum read to me when I was like nine or something like that, and then sort of moving from that and like discovering Dungeons and Dragons, and like I remember Tad Williams' memory Star and Thorn was like a huge influence, and Dragonlance, the, the the original Dragonlance trilogy, my my friend lent me like it was a three in one books in one, and I read it in three days. I just sat down and I just read for three days straight. I remember on day 2 my parents were like is everything okay and I'm like shut up I'm having the most amazing experience of my entire life do not interrupt me and I just like I just like I took breaks for bathrooms and meals and like I that was it and I was like this was insane so I'd always wanted to write that sort of like big epic fantasy thing and um, but the book did through, go through a couple of iterations there was a very early draft I w- it was the, there was there's a version the the original, the first chapter where you meet, uh, the mercenaries let, um, below, um, is the only thing which I think survives from that original chapter, uh, that original draft of the book. It was a, it was a, a rather complicated satire about people trying to mine dragon's gold. And I sent I sent my agent and my agent was like, I do not understand like a word of your outline for this novel. Like it just doesn't make sense. Because he's a very honest man, and that's what you need. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I, I really reconceived really and rewrote the whole thing. Um, and, yeah, no, it just turned into, like, I, I like to write books about groups of friends going off on adventures. I think that's what I remember really fondly about, like, the books I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I think a ton of tremendously good authors have done a ton of tremendously interesting things with Fancy over the past, like 10, 15 years, and um, and really pulled it out of sort of being a bit of a cheesy um, genre and really elevated it in some really exciting ways. Um, but I do think there's not that many of those, or at least there weren't at the time, like too many of those sort of like bunch of friends go off and have adventures sort of books. So I want, I really wanted to sort of capture that sort of vibe, which yeah. I think some people like, again, like I think the role playing thing, so, so like I think there's a bit of a D and vibe, which sort of comes with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, I, I sort of, and I mean, with the understanding and maybe this is just my particular group of friends that, uh, you're all terrible to each other all of the time. Like, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, so if you, if you get like, a venture with friends, doesn't mean it's a conflict free, like environment. You're, you're going to give each other grief and there's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm writing a novel, so there's going to be all sorts of personality clashes and stuff like that, but sort of exploring what this group of characters does in this situation. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I think I've recently rewatched oceans 11, which I probably watch that movie about once every three years. I, it's one of my favorites and I kind of really wanted to do a heist story. And, um, and yeah, so it just, the first book I, I never, I, I should at this point. I never plan out my series. They're all written like one book at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so really like when that series happened, I just had false Gold, and there was this idea of just doing three heists in a row. But what typically happens if you sell one book, then the first question a publisher will ask you is, do you want to write two more in the series? Cause that's sort of the, the basic unit of publishing for, for at least in the fantasy genre. So, um, yeah, so yeah. So it was then sort of like figuring out where to go with them.
0: I gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you, Obviously hit the nail on the head because uh you know they they kind of dug your Dragon Lords trilogy as Guardians of the Galaxy meets the Hobbit. And I mean you can you can really see those elements uh in there. I mean, obviously you made mm-hmm. it all your own. Uh, and you know, I've only I've only read Fool's Gold in it, but mm-hmm. it was phenomenal. I mean, it was number oh, four on my top my top twenty reads of twenty eighteen. Uh, and then of course you had uh it was released in twenty sixteen, then you had False Idols in twenty seventeen and bad faith in twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, and I actually actually listened to Fool's Gold uh, on audiobook, which was narrated by John Banks. Which, yeah, he uh, does an
1: amazing job. He himself. really
0: does. Uh, I mean, he's he narrated uh, at least the first four books so far of, of Josiah Bancroft's Books of mm-hmm. Abel, um, yeah, yeah. and then he also did The Gutter Prayer. Have you have you read that one by? Gary oh Kennedy? no, I have.
1: this that's high on my list, though.
0: Yeah, uh, so that, that one came out earlier this year, and it's a, it's another phenomenal one. But yeah, every time. <laughs> Every time I heard Belor talking, like I just instantly like was thinking of books of Babel. Like I just kept, <laughs> I kept thinking, I was like, did I just like transport to the tower? Like, <laughs> 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 but yeah, so, so fool's gold. So yeah, group, group of five people. So you've got Will, which is pretty much the, the herald of the group. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you've got uh Letty who's a mercenary who wants to be a quote unquote better person and seeks a change in her mm-hmm. life. Uh, Ballora, which is Letty's quote-unquote tribe, who also happens to be a lizard man. And he's probably my favorite character. He uh, seems to be most people. So, yeah, like, he's, he's just absolutely ones. ridiculous. He's kind of like the Drax.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah, no it's, he's... Just kind of big yeah. and dumb, but like always has that like forced humor that always works. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I have to say, getting his syntax right in the novels, probably one of the hardest things.
1: I like. I always had to go back because I'd always screwed it up at some point. Like, so. Uh, but he he was a pain. But he he was also I, yeah. His, I always enjoyed figuring out his perspective on a problem because he was always just just there's there's no BS with him. You're just going straight to the point.
0: Right, but right. Uh, and you've got Quirk, who's a, a scholar or a professor mm-hmm. and wizard who refuses to use magic. And then mm. Furkin, who's basically just a drunkard, which Ferkin I mean, Furkin just kills it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I have to say I, the one of my favorite things about the whole audiobook recording was what John did with uh Furkin's voice. Because in my head, like I never I normally I can like I I sort of knew what Bella sounded like, like and it was but I don't know, Furkin was always like a little and like he just brought that to life for me as like, which was a it was a strange experience to sort of like, we we're like, oh, that's what it sounds like. Yes. Right. <laughs> just He just nailed that so well.
0: Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. You're sitting there going, and "It's like, you know, I think I know what he sounds like. And then to mm-hmm. hear it, you're like, I didn't go in that direction, but that's phenomenal.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, he, he was, no, I was really lucky but um
0: yeah absolutely so all right so so we know a kind of kind of a little bit about the this the trilogy you know it, it's kind of a heist thing but it, would you mm-hmm. want to give us kind of like a a small like overview of kind of what we're looking at um sure yeah yeah so
1: is? yeah fool's gold um will is a, a farmer um he lives in uh, the condor valley and um is ruled by a a, a group of dragons um and they are not nice people to to live under their rule. And they uh, and where we come in is they're basically taxing him into oblivion. And due to an accounting error, he is about to lose his uh, his parents' farm, and things go very badly for him. And he ends up fleeing into the night. And um, he runs into uh, through a series of increasingly absurd coincidences. Um, a group of people, including yes, two mercenaries, Ledy and Balur, um and uh, Firkin, the drunk and, and Quirk, the, the 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 magician who doesn't want to be a magician, um, and so they hatch this plan to rob a dragon um, through uh, yeah. And it's and the joy of heist movies for me is there's 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 very there's a they're very formal genre in some ways. There's you the, create the plan, you then begin to execute the plan the plan there goes very horribly wrong and it's sort of how you respond to all those mistakes is sort of, and then, and so, um, through the first, uh, through the heist there's a series of three heists in the, in the book and all the, all the books in the series are basically, sca- uh, structured around cons and heists. It was, uh, the sort of theme of everything. Um, but at the end of the first heist in, in, in fool's gold, will ends up um, rather unexpectedly as uh, being seen as the prophet at the head of a, a, an uprising insurgency, which he, he and none of his companions want to be happening. It's the last thing they want because it basically means they're just attracting more and more attention for this crime they just committed. And so the only way they can think to get out of it is to um, to pull off another heist, and and things just go increasingly downhill through, throughout the book from there. Um, so, yeah, and then... Um, uh book two is is false idols which sort of picks up their story and um and just it was it was fun sort of like trying to raise the stakes and raise the stakes and in book two i sort of got to go a lot broader and introduce you to the wider world that the valley of condora exists in introduce the pantheon and finally make fun of all the classics to courses i took at university and um and stuff like that so yeah
0: okay and you got to get the hit on all those good old fantasy tropes right Yeah, well, I mean, the one thing, so just, I, there's a lot of Greek
1: myth influence, I think, in fantasy. But the one thing I never see really reflected is just how weird and creepy the Greek gods are. There's like, they're incredibly petty, terrible people. And also they're always having sex while disguised disguised as animals, (laughs) which is just strange, quite frankly. So, um, so yes, there's a chance that my pantheon largely pulls on those. (laughs) <laughs> Months of Greek mythology.
0: Yeah, and if anybody needs uh some updated Greek mythology, definitely read Neil Gaiman's uh Norse mythology. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. read that one, but yeah, it's it's all about, you know, Loki changing form and yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot of weird stuff that goes on. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, the, the fact is, that the the fact weird. that Thor is just a dumb jock. I mean, it's just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jonathan. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what you do outside of writing, because you know we all know that you know you mm-hmm. writers only ever write twenty four seven. You don't have it's, it's, lives. You don't have families. You just sit in a cave. And
1: it's a weird compulsion. It's, you know compulsion. everybody. Everybody
0: thinks you're George R. R. Martin with a you know old mm-hmm. computer and the only thing you have mm-hmm. on your desktop is the save button. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so yeah no i do have a day job i i work in advertising um specifically pharmaceutical advertising which is like regular advertising with all the sex and fun removed from it um but yeah no i'm i'm a, I, I i do i guess i do write in for my day job so i'm uh yeah i'm a copywriter um but um i it for a long time i was sort of like i kept looking for overlap between like because i write all day at work and then i sort of write my books in the evenings and I, I, I never felt like there was too much overlap, but I do feel like maybe my approach to editing in both and sort of like advertising breeds a sort of like increasing minimalism in terms of your approach to words, which, which if you've read all hundred, if you ever get to read all 180,000 words of, uh, of, of false idols is uh, maybe not apparent and might actually be the reaction against the minimalism of advertising. But, um, but in the last in the last couple of years i feel like that that my approach to editing from that is, is starting to leak through a little bit um but yeah i think there's a lot of like i mean so if you make making money and writing there's, there's there's limited options i think um so so I but the one which occurred to me when i was graduating from university was advertising so so yeah i've been doing that for a, for a fair while now um and when i'm not doing that and i'm not writing i do play Way too many video games. Um, Say so that's always. Um, I'm right now. I'm going back and playing through uh, Dragon Age for probably the third or fourth time, and it's still just as good as it was the first time. So,
0: so there you go. Yeah, I I, I kind of have a penchant to play back through Ocarina of Time all the time. And nice. uh, Fallout 3. I mean, it just can't get enough. I mean, yeah, just yeah. these sprawling games that take forever to finish, but they're always so much fun every yeah. time you go back and play them. The
1: amount, the amount of time I've sunk into Dragon Age Inquisition, it makes me shudder slightly. But um, <laughs> I'm very excited. Also, Life is Strange 2. I think just the Episode 5 of that finally came out today, so I'm willing to sit down and now play through the whole thing. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. So.
0: I got you, I got you. So, see, see, so, so you, so you, you mean that you don't sit there and write all day and get multi-million dollar contracts for seven books and?
1: Tragically, no. <laughs> I mean, if anybody wants to offer me multi-million dollar contracts for multiple books so I can sit around writing all day, I'm, I'm, I'm very much open to that conversation. But, um, but actually, no. I did. So, I, I have my in the evening and my, my commute, I, I'm on the train for an hour both in and out of New York City. Um, so that's where I do all my writing is on the train. Um, headphones on, laptop out, and, uh, yeah, I just bang, I bang all out on the trains.
0: I bet you get a lot of good people watching on the trains. I, I <laughs> The key to successful commuting
1: is ignoring everybody around you constantly, which is why good headphones uh, are very important. So.
0: You, just, you just have to have good headphones and good keen awareness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just.
1: So yeah, yeah no. Also yeah, there's there's very few sex scenes in my book, which uh, is because I'm writing them all in public. So um, so, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just not going to happen. Right,
0: right. Because
1: yeah. um, we don't want to be that guy on the on the train, like yeah. Yeah. know,
0: yeah, it's just like uh the people that, you know, hide their uh hide their smut books instead of a magazine or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're the guy writing the smut book that's that's I, I think possibly worse. Oh
0: good
2: grief.
1: Uh, I mean no no judgment on smut book writers, but I right? just like I I just don't think the train judgment on smut book writers who write their smut books on trains. That's that's really the only people being judged. <laughs>
0: So uh, so, tell me are, uh, any any books you've read recently, or any authors uh, that you've read that you just are sort of like, all right, everybody needs to read this, or um, everybody needs to read everything this author's published.
1: Yeah, a couple of things. I um, I read um, The Grand Dog by Richard Cadry this year, which was really good, um, and I like the back beginning of this, I was talking about my love and you weird that definitely like pulled on a lot of that stuff without feeling like a retread and just a re that's just really well written. He's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's totally worth checking out. And then actually the other thing, which I'm super excited about, I just finished this up like last week. Um, I read all of the wicked and the divine comic book by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. And that series is just amazing. Um, I can't say enough good things about that. Um, I think they just wrapped it up after like five years working on the series. And it's just beautiful and, and really cool and beautiful sort of exploration of, of people and their relationships and sort of like the damage people do to each other through both love and hatred and ambition. And it's just a majestically good piece of, of of art and everyone should check that out.
0: Yeah, and that one's uh that one's up by Image. I know um mm. I, Image, I mean gosh, I feel like you know they're like up there like neck and neck with Dark Horse as far as what they release. I mean, you got Saga, Wicked the Divine, mm. uh you know Descender and Now Ascender. Uh I mean, the entire Walking Dead series I and mean, they've got I feel like they're kind of cornering the market <laughs> as far as comics. So much good stuff comes out of
1: uh, out of Image. I'm, I'm 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 a big fan.
0: Yeah, and then uh, and then uh, Codger he actually and he writes the the man Slim series. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that that's one I haven't started, but I've heard tons about, and I actually have a copy of the Grand Dark, and I just haven't gotten to it. Just...
1: Grand Dark's really good. Um, the other another book I read this uh, year is a little older was um, uh, Man of Shadows. Um, so Steve Noon wrote right, that, but that's also weird sort of detective mystery story. I really like weird detective mystery stories. So uh, Grand Dark and A Man of Shadows are both sort of like very much in that house, And um, and very much worth reading in my opinion.
0: I gotcha. So uh, on another note, what are you working on right now?
1: So um, this year was actually my first year in eight years without a novel coming out, um, I think. Um, I wrote um, after having finished up Two comedic fantasy series. I decided what the world really wanted from me was a complicated, dark, literary horror novel. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Which it turned out I was wrong. Uh, The world did not want that from me. Um, But yeah, so I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that. I I wrote it. um, It was a big risk to take. um, My and um, while I'm really happy with the book, it's I think the change of genre i need i need a little more you know there's a learning curve mm-hmm. so but i might i'm toying with the idea of potentially podcasting that novel um i'm not really up for self-publishing i did it very briefly with yesterday's hero my second book after the what between nightshade and titan to pick up the series and self-publishing is a skill which i do not have like it, it, it's a very like it requires a tremendous amount of work and effort to be done successfully um and i just i just and also uh sort of uh you need to be good at self-promotion in a way that i am not good at um so because i it makes me so uncomfortable um so yeah so uh but I'm, I'm wondering about maybe podcasting that or doing something with that um in the meantime i've been writing I've gone back to the world of comedic fantasy. I'm in the. Uh, I'm writing. Uh, I'm hopefully. I'm really hopeful. I'll finish by the end of the year. Um, it's. Uh, it's a novel set. It's a new series. Um, uh, the idea that um, taking the the sort of typical fairy setting and imagining what if there was a war and the fairies lost and the good guys lost and sort of then taking a sort of fairy goblin sort of setting and updating it to a contemporary setting and. We're dealing with fairy drug dealers and um, sort of goblin corporations, and setting that's the, the, the that sort of backdrop for the book. And then there's sort of this one terrible night for a group of like seven characters as people attempt rebellions and to change their lives with drug deals, and everything sort of twists together. And it all goes horribly wrong in the way that things tend to do in novels. Um so yeah, I've almost finished that up and and yeah, hoping to shop it around in the new year.
0: Uh that sounds like something to be right up my alley. Um I mean uh, it kind of it kind of sounds like you know, something that really mixes with what Orbit's had here recently. I mean, obviously with with your Dragon Lords trilogy, I mean with with Dale Lucas's fifth war. Mm, mm, mm. Um Yeah, I can't I, I hopefully I haven't tra- I'm not trading tra- on Dale's taste
1: too much because then they'll get mad at me.
0: <laughs> I, don't I don't think you are. I mean, his his you know is more of like a buddy cop, uh, which yeah, yeah. just kind of has those elements. It's not really deep diving into it. I don't think because I've actually read um, all three books so far in that series. Uh, so yeah, I, I think what, what you've got sounds 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 a little 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 far away from what he's got going on. So I think you're good on that end. Um, but I'm I'm interested in this uh, this literary horror. Yeah, I mean it's
1: it's a very different thing for me. Um I I love it a lot more than I think anybody else does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean a funny guy like you, it's a little different to be writing horror? <laughs> yeah, I mean well, yeah, it's it's I mean,
1: I definitely I enjoy that stuff. I just like it's well it's it is it's always you know, writing in the end is a bit of a business. So you've got to like, what can I sell? And like I can I the writing funny stuff is a thing I can do which is uh maybe a little bit more marketable so you know mm. it's always you know you've gotta you got, to, you've got to find the sweet spot between what you want to write and what people actually want to read so um so yeah so it's um this was it was a gamble I think there it, it, to be fair there is humor in it it's just <laughs> incredibly dark
0: <laughs> well I mean it's you know horror, cool. horror is definitely making a comeback um I mean there's a lot of a lot of liter- literary horror that's really being pushed now I mean I know bookstagrams just full of it um you know you've got a lot of uh a lot of big followings with uh with horror uh you know books to grammars and authors uh just really pushing that genre so i mean it may be a good time for it Um uh, yeah, i'm yeah, not gonna say everybody I mean, needs it, to write horror but if you've got one you know yeah. ready to yeah, ready yeah, to go no, well, yeah no figure out what to
1: do there's always the chance sorry, i mean We shopped it around. It did not sell. There's a chance there's actually something just fundamentally wrong with the book, which needs some editing and some, some love to fix. So, um, it's been very, uh, I I mentioned on Facebook, like my, I'm mentioned I'm terrible at self promotion and, uh, I, I don't, I don't have an author website or anything that I spend way too much time on Facebook. Um, so the, 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 what author contact I do? People have all been very supportive of this book, and I'm like, "Well, you guys haven't read it, so yeah, it's very nice to be nice about this book." But, but maybe it's the book. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I feel you about the you know self promotion. I mean, I I feel like that's the way a lot of authors. are. I mean, I was talking to Michael Fletcher just a couple of weeks ago, and you know, he's he's been self pubbing his last couple of books, and I mean, it's it's really difficult. I mean, even even for us bloggers, sometimes just to try to get. You know, on Twitter and Facebook, just for a few people to see it. Like with yeah, the yeah, way the yeah, algorithms yeah. are now, man, if you don't tag somebody in it, it's pretty mm. much dead to the wind, and you, you just got to keep yeah. plugging away at it. So, yeah. um, but I mean, that's that's kind of what we bloggers are here for. And We're here to push as much as we can to help you know people find it. Um, that's why I started the blog. That's why I'm doing this podcast now because I figure I could try a different medium. I don't think I'm ever going to do BookTube because I don't like a camera on me, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know that's that that's kind of that's kind of why we're here. So you know, if if you ever do decide to you know to self pub then we'll you know yeah, well, I'll I'll try to push it as much as I can and get into other people's feeds. That's and, amazing.
1: So yeah, I very much appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys do, so.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. uh well, Jonathan, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and and thanks so much for for taking the time to to, oh, to chat with so me. Um, I mean, obviously, I know you got some gaming to do and some books to write, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, that Xbox is not going to fire itself up. I
0: know, exactly. <laughs> well, guys, uh, you can find Jonathan on Instagram and Twitter at TheXmedic. That's T H E, the letter X, Medic, M E D I C. You can also find him on Facebook at jonathan.wood.5832. Uh, He's actually a fantastic follow on Twitter, but especially on Facebook, because you'll be able to see every single one of his posts. Uh, He's always (laughs) a consistent, uh, humorous look when I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed. Uh, He's also probably the, uh, hi, I'm your new friend, and I'm also going to be your new meme friend. Uh, He loves sharing memes, and they're always just, sometimes you just have, you can't look away. Let me me just put it that way. Um, well guys, uh, you can find his uh, his two series out right now like I said the Arthur Wallace Tetralogy which is through Titan Books now uh, and you can also find his Dragon Lords Trilogy through Orbit uh, they're all out on all the major markets Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Depository wherever you can find books uh, you can also find the first two in the Dragon Lords Trilogy on Audible with John Banks doing the narration and if you guys like audiobooks I definitely recommend listening to those two um and otherwise jonathan thank you again for coming on uh we'll have to do this again we you know once you've got some new stuff coming out we can promote it and uh hopefully uh you know we can push some more books for you
1: absolute pleasure man thank you so much
0: yeah absolutely have a good one you too thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode three of authors on a podcast talking books with jonathan wood stay tuned next week when i interview bird box author josh mallerman Uh, We'll talk about Netflix success, his novels, what's to come, and what he's reading now. For those of you who haven't had the opportunity to read Fool's Gold, stay tuned for a clip from the audiobook presented by Hashat Audio and read for you by John Banks. I hope you enjoy it.
2: It was a confrontation as old as time. A tale begun back when the pantheon of old first breathed life into the clay mold of man and set him down upon the earth. It was the tale of the untamable pitted against the master, of the wild tearing at the walls of the civilised. It was man versus the beast. Will placed each foot carefully, held his balance low. He circled slowly. Cold mud pulled at his feet. Sweat trickled down the crease between his eyebrows. Inch by inch he closed the distance. The pig, Bessie, grunted at him. Five shecks as she tips him on his arse,' said Albor, one of Will's two farmhands. A strip of hairy gut was visible where he rested it upon the sty's rickety old fence. It was, Will had noted, significantly hairier, in fact, than his chin, which he scratched at constantly. Albor's wife had just departed the nearby village for a month-long trip to help look after her sister's new baby, and Albor was three days into growing the beard she hated.' "'I say it's face first, he lands,' said Dunstan, Will's other farmhand." The two men were a study in contrasts. Where Albor's stomach swayed heavily over his gut, Dunstan's broad leather belt was wrapped twice around his waist and still flapped loose beyond the buckle. His narrow face was barely visible behind a thick cloud of facial hair, which his wife loved to excess. She had a tendency to braid sections of it and line it with bows. "'You're on!' said Albor, spitting in his muddy palm and holding it out to Dunstan. Will gave a damn about neither beards nor wives. All he cared about was his father's thrice-cursed prize sow, Bessie. She had been his dancing partner in this sty for almost half an hour now. He was so coated in mud that if he lay upon the sty's floor he would have been virtually invisible.' He briefly considered this as a possible angle of attack, but the pig was as likely to shit on him and call it a good day's work as anything else. There was an uncanny intelligence in her eyes. Still, she was old and he was young. Brute force would win the day. He closed the distance down by another inch. Bessie narrowed her eyes. Another inch. Bessie squealed and charged. Will lunged, met the charge head on. His hand slammed down hard against her sides. Bessie flew through his mud-slick palms and crashed all of her considerable weight into his legs. The world performed a sprawling flip around Will's head, then hit him in the face. He came up spluttering mud and was just in time to hear Dunstan say, That's five shet you owe me then. Bessie was standing nonchalantly behind him with an air of almost studied calm. Will found his resolve hardening. Bessie had to die. With a roar, he launched himself at the pig. She bucked wildly, and yet still one of his hands snagged a bony trotter. He heaved upon it with all his might. Bessie, however, had lived upon the farm longer than Will. She had survived lean winters, breached piglets, and several virulent diseases, and was determined to survive him. She did not allow her limb to collapse under Will's weight, advanced years or no. Instead, she simply pulled him skidding through the mud. After several laps, he appeared to be done. With her free hoof, she kicked him in the forehead to emphasise the lesson, then walked away. I think you almost got her that time, Albor called in what might be generously described as an encouraging tone. Will did not respond. Personal honour was at stake at this point in the proceedings. Still, there was only so much mud a man could swallow. He clambered to his feet and retreated to consider his options. Dunstan patted him on the shoulder as he collapsed against the fence. Bessie regarded him balefully. She's too strong for me, Will said when he'd gotten his breath back. To be fair, you say that about most girls, Albor told him. I have to outsmart her. That too, Dunstan chipped in. Don't usually work, though. Albor chewed a strand of straw sagely. This, said Will, his temper fraying, is not so much helpful advice as much as it is shit swilling in a blocked ditch. That pig has to become crispy rashers, and if you have nothing helpful to add, you can go back to picking apples in the orchard. For a short while, the only sound was Bessie farting noisily in her corner of the sty. Above the men, thin clouds swept across a pale blue sky. The distant mountains were a misty purple, almost translucent.